Okay, we are in Lesson 20, continuing in our study of Proverbs, looking at the issue of righteousness contrasted with uh, wicked living. Righteousness contrasted with wicked living. And so we're in chapter 14 of Proverbs, and we're in that second section of Proverbs. You know, remember the first section was really whole thoughts, maybe whole paragraphs, chapters basically devoted to a thought that Solomon was trying to get across. Now we're into where he's getting individual Proverbs. And these individual Proverbs are covering many different topics. They're covering many different topics, and usually it's one verse conveying one thought. Now, let me just remind you, when we we go through these, Proverbs are a piece of wisdom. They're not necessarily a promise. Does everybody understand me? We talked about that a little bit last week. And we looked at one verse where it talked about the blessing of the righteous. They're not necessarily a promise, because somebody could be easily defeated by Proverbs and say, well, Lord, I'm doing this, I'm walking uprightly. You said I would be blessed. How come that's not happening? Okay? They're general statements not necessarily a promise, they're pieces of wisdom. So let's look at what we're looking at here today. We're in verse 6. We'll go through these verse by verse again and uh, look at the different things that are being talked about here. Look at verse 6. A scoffer seeks wisdom and does not find it, but knowledge is easy to him who understands. So let's, first of all, we're going to talk about wisdom here. First thing I want you to notice is this. Those who are serious and discerning Acquire wisdom. Those who are serious. Now let me just stop for a moment because when we think about serious, we maybe are thinking about somebody who's very somber, very stoic, you know, no life, no fun. You know, that's not what it's talking about here. It's not talking in terms of a person's temperament. It's talking in terms of their attitude. Does everybody understand me? We're not talking about temperament. We're talking about attitude. Because you can be a fun-loving person, but your attitude is still serious about life, and therefore you gain wisdom. Does everybody understand me? Now, because sometimes you can have somebody whose temperament is serious. You know, they're a stoic, like Mr. Lurch. Remember Mr. Lurch, guys? You know, I think it was, uh, what was it, the Adams family? You know, if, you know, you can have Mr. Lurch. Guy act like that, but he can still not gain any wisdom. Okay, it's not talking about temperament. We're talking about attitude here. So if you're serious and discerning, you're going to acquire wisdom. But the next thing what you see here is that mockers look for wisdom in the wrong places. Mockers. That, that, that's the guy who scoffs at wisdom will look for it in the wrong places. So let me give you an example. We have a lot of people who are professing to be wise today who will look at your faith, who will look at what you believe, who will look at the Bible, and they will scoff at it, but yet they will try to acquire wisdom where? Other places. How will they find it there? No, they won't. Because I'll be honest with you, when you look at what they're looking at, it's all theory. No one can really know. Like, for instance, the medical sciences, just to be very honest with you. You know, there are parts of your body that they don't really, even to this day, understand completely 
why they operate the way they do or what exactly they do. Does everybody understand that? There's parts of your body. So even the medical sciences are not completely understanding of everything. But yet, so the scoffer says, I don't want to have anything to do with your biblical truth, your Bible. And they'll try and find wisdom where? In other places. And so that's what Solomon is talking about here. Now look at verse 7. We're going to talk about associations or friendships, who you hang out with. Go from the presence of a foolish man when you do not perceive in him the lips of knowledge. So here's what it says. One cannot increase in knowledge by associating with a fool. One cannot increase in knowledge by associating with a fool. Here's what Solomon is saying. If you're hanging out with somebody and they're just plain foolish about life, you need to change friendships. Because when you hang out with people who are foolish about life, you're not going to increase in your wisdom. Do you understand what I'm saying? You're not going to increase. So like, for instance, if you're hanging out with Joe Schmo, and he's a fun guy to hang out with, but Joe Schmo still acts like a 16-year-old at 42, you think maybe you need to hang around somebody that's a little bit more mature at 42 than somebody who keeps acting like he's 16? And in our area, don't we have a lot of guys who still act like they're 16? Don't we? Some of you are saying, are you sure, George? Yeah, look. Just this week, I talked to a lady, married 20-some years. She basically described her husband as a good-for-nothing, worthless. All he's interested in doing is four-wheeling, hanging out with the guys at the camp. And she's struggling to try to pay the bills. Now, do you think he's matured? Do you think he knows what responsibility is? She's the one trying to raise the family. He's out having fun because it's his money. See, here's my point. Thomas trying to say here, you want to gain wisdom? Be choosy about the people you hang out with. And if he's acting like a 16-year-old at 42, don't hang out with him. You understand what I'm saying? Don't hang out with him. You, if you want to mature, you need to hang out with people that are maturing. So, for instance, let me give you an example. Here's the principle that you and I need to understand when it comes to associations. You will be like the people you hang out with. You understand what I'm saying? You will be like the people you hang out with. That, that's a profound principle that you and I need to grasp. If you want to be maturing, if you want to be growing in your relationship with Christ, then hang out with people who are growing in their relationship with Christ. Do you understand what I'm saying? Hang out with people who are growing in their relationship with Christ. Because if you hang out with people who are not, or you hang out with people who don't care, you eventually are going to become just like them. Remember, I mentioned this last week. Your lips will begin to reflect what they say. So if you're hanging out with people who use filthy language, eventually one day you're going to wake up and you're going to be using filthy language. And it's not like you decided to do that. It just came naturally because of what? Because of the people you were hanging out with. Now, here's again. I'm not saying you are to totally separate yourself from unsaved people. You understand what I'm saying? 
But what I'm saying is, if you are to be mature, and you're to be wise in the people that you spend most of your time with. Do you understand what I'm saying? The people you spend most of your time with, because it will affect uh, it will affect who you are. Look at now at verse 8, we're going to talk about conduct. The wisdom of the prudent is to understand his way, but the folly of fools is defeat. Here's the point. The wise give careful thought to their actions, whereas fool, the fool is tripped up by his folly. A wise person will think about his actions. Now, you know, it used to be, oh, almost 20 years ago I went to Africa. Spent a summer in Africa working in uh, with a, a Baptist mission there, which was primarily had churches in some of the slum areas of Nairobi. And I read an interesting book at that time called The Africans by David Lamb. Now, it was written by a reporter from the New York Times, and he basically went country by country in sub-Sahara Africa and basically talked about the issues in Africa, why, why, why it is to our Western mind they just can't seem to get their act together. And one of the illustrations that he gave there, which has always stuck with me, is, is that for the Western mind, they think in scientifically, like, if I do A plus B, I'm going to get C. But the African mind does A, couldn't care less about C, doesn't even see C. So, for instance, he told a story about one of the African nations just bought some brand new jet fighters, and the African pilot was flying these, one of these brand new jet fighters, Rat was noticing that he was running out of fuel. Rather than landing at the airport near where he was at the base, he just ejected and let that million-dollar plane crash. He wasn't thinking in terms of A plus B equals C. He was just thinking in terms of, hey, hey, I'm running out of fuel. I need to get out of here. Now, that was 20 years ago. And back then, he would say, boy, those Africans, man, they need to think right. Well, you know what? 20 years later, I'm a pastor in North America. And I'm watching people today in our culture right here in Kerwinsville, Clearfield County, doing A, couldn't care less about B, not even thinking about what C is. Did you understand what I'm saying? Because they are not even thinking about what their actions will do. They're not even thinking about what their actions will do. So that's beginning to happen right here in our culture. And see, and that's what Solomon is saying. The wise, a wise person will give careful thought to his actions. What will happen if I do this? What will be the outcome of my actions? But a fool will be tripped up by his own folly. A fool will say, oh, you know, man, I don't understand what's happening to me. Why is this stuff happening to me? Well, did you ever think if you did this plus this, it would equal this? Oh, no, never even thought about that. See, that's a fool. Wisdom is going out the window today in our culture, isn't it? In fact, let's, let's, let's just call it what it is. In our culture today, we call that kind of wisdom what? Common sense. And have you noticed that a lot of folks don't have common sense anymore? Have you noticed that? This is what's going on. This is what he's talking about here. Look now at verse 9. We're going to look at the issue of reparation. Fools mock at sin. But among the upright, there is favor. Okay, here's the point. 
The fool makes fun of his sin, whereas the righteous makes amends. The fool makes fun of his sins, whereas the righteous makes amends. You know, I have seen this, literally have seen this happen. See, this is the difference between whether you can tell whether somebody, when they confess to you and say, I'm sorry, this right here is how you know whether or not that they are genuine in their apology. Because even though they may say, I'm sorry, let's say I hurt, hurt Tom here very, very, very much. I, I hurt him. And so Tom confronts me about it and says, George, you hurt me. And so I say to Tom, oh, Tom, I am so sorry. You know, I'm so sorry. You're going to still come over and help me cut up that deer, right? You know? You know? Yeah, you know. Hey, hey, you know. And so I apologize to him. I show remorse. How Tom will know later whether my apology is genuine is just what he says right here. The fool makes fun of his sin. So like later, I say, oh, you won't believe, Bruce, what old Tom got offended by. You know, you just won't believe it. He, he got hurt by that. Man, come on, you know. Yeah, yeah, for a girly man, you know. That's a fool. That's no genuine. But what? The righteous makes a man. Hey, Tom, look, I am so sorry that I have done that. Look, what can I do to make it up to you? He holds his hand out. Okay. Yeah, okay. Do you see my point here? The fool, this is what Solomon is talking about here. See, the fool will make fun of his sin. I have seen that happen so many times over. I have seen that happen so many times over. And when you talk to those individuals, you talk to the person who's being foolish in their actions, and you say to them, don't you realize? Here's another one. What they'll do is they will make fun of the person that they hurt. You understand what I'm saying? They will belittle the person that they hurt. Or they'll say things, well, I've already apologized. How many more times do you want me to apologize? How many of you have seen this kind of actions before, haven't you? This is what he's talking about. He's talking about a fool here. Because the righteous will make amends. The righteous will make amends. Look now, verse 10 now. We're going to look at the issue of emotions. The heart knows its own bitterness, and a stranger does not share its joy. Okay, here's the point. There are joys and sorrows that cannot be shared. There are joys and sorrows that cannot be shared. So, for instance, let's take it in two parts here. The heart knows its own bitterness. Hey, how many of you have ever been crushed emotionally? And you've tried to share it, even with a close friend or spouse or something, and they just don't get it. How many of you? How many of you tried that? And they just—they can't even comprehend the depths of your pain. You guys know what I'm talking about. This is what he's talking about here. The heart knows its own bitterness. See, there are joys and sorrows that cannot be shared. So then, the next part of that verse talks about the stranger. The stranger then can't share his joy. 
because he doesn't have anybody to share it with. You understand? There's nobody who will join with him and celebrating with him. So there are joys and sorrows. Like, for instance, you ever had something wonderful happen, so exciting happen, maybe God answered a prayer, and you go to work, and there's nobody you can share it with. There's no believer there that you can share it with and say, God did this for me today. And it's nobody's like, oh, yeah, sure, right, yeah, yeah, whatever. You don't know how my day's been. You know, and they're like, holy moly, man, I wish I could just share this with I'm bursting. That's what he's talking about here. That's what he's talking about here. Now look at the issue of prosperity, verse 11. The house of the wicked will be overthrown, but the tent of the upright will flourish. Here's the, ins- here's the point. Integrity ensures stability and prosperity. Integrity ensures stability and prosperity. Now let me just give you this in, in the culture that it's coming from, not in our Western, I want to be rich mind stop. What he's talking about here is that if you are a man or woman of integrity, you're going to have stability in your life and you're going to have prosperity. But let me define that word prosperity to you. you. Prosperity does not mean you're going to be Hollywood rich. You're not going to walk around with a lot of bling. That's the new term, I guess. You know? All right? You're, You're not going to be that way. What it means is, is that you are going to prosper in your way. But prosper in your way means this, this just means that you're just making it. You understand what I'm saying? We have equated prosperity with what we see on TV. But that's not necessarily the prosperity that the Bible talks about. That the Bible talks about. Now look at the issue of worldliness, verse 12. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. Okay, here's the point. Any evil activity that seems successful will only lead to destruction. The attitude today in our world is, is, what do you mean that's wrong? Works, doesn't it? Who cares about that? It works. Just so long as it works. Just so long as we achieve the goal. So, hey, you know what? And people are buying into that today. So let's take, for instance, the whole issue of stem cell research for a moment. Let me just apply it to what's on your news. Hey, so we've got to kill a bunch of little baby embryos. Hey, we're actually doing them a favor because, you know, if they grew up, they would probably be in poor households anyhow on the welfare system. In the, in the meantime, we're helping out lots of people with their health issues. There's a lot of cures. We haven't discovered them yet, but we, we've yet to discover them. And so that's the whole attitude. The evil activity seems successful, but it always leads to destruction. See, they don't think beyond and think in terms of what is it doing to you and what is it doing to the mindset of our culture. So those very same people, one day, and they get this way in this country, listen to me, one day they're going to be in a nursing home and they're going to decide all of a sudden, well, you know, we can't afford to pay for them anymore, so we'll just give them an injection. Because... It works, doesn't it? See, we don't think in terms of that. We're creating a dog-eat-dog society. That's what's going on here, where this life doesn't mean anything anymore. And what really means anything is just that we get the goal. We achieve what we want to achieve. So whatever works, works. But in the end, it leads to destruction. Listen, watch it. Watch it. Watch it. And so that's the attitude. Let's go on then. Look at the issue again of emotions. Verse 13. 
Even in laughter, the heart may sorrow. And the end of mirth may be grief. Here's the thing. Life is filled with bittersweet things. Ever notice that? Life can bring about a moment that, you know, yeah, you'll laugh. But on the inside, you're screaming. Ever been there? I think all of us have, haven't we? Life can bring a bittersweet moment where even in laughter, there can be great sorrow. You know? Even in laughter. I mean, have you ever heard the statement, you know, if I wasn't laughing, I'd be crying? That's the point Solomon's making here. If it wasn't so terrible, I, you know, I would have to cry. But I'll laugh instead. You know, and the other point is here. Here's the other point. No joy is completely free of grief. Here's the point. There is no such happiness. This is what our world's striving for. Guys, listen to me. There is no way you're ever going to exist in this world without heartache. Does everybody understand me? No amount, no amount, no amount of fun, happiness, perfect, perfect, whatever, perfect marriage, perfect, no amount of any of that is going to remove you from the possibility of getting hurt. Does everybody understand that? That's not this life. You're talking about when it's the paradise that's coming. It's not going to be that way here. No amount of whatever that you do is going to produce such joy and happiness that you'll be able to say, well, I don't have any grief. You'll have grief. You'll have grief. Now look at verse 14, the issue of retribution. The backslider in heart will be filled with his own ways, but a good man will be satisfied from above. Here's what it says. Both the wicked and righteous will be repaid in accordance with their own conduct. Both the wicked and the righteous will be repaid in accordance with his own conduct. So if you look at verse 14, here's what it's saying. The backslider in heart will be filled with his own ways. That guy who's backsliding, that guy who's interested in what the world has to offer, here's what he's getting right here, right now, what he's getting from the world. But the righteous person, what does it say there, verse 14? The good man will be satisfied, what, from above. He will be satisfied later on. He'll be satisfied later on because he'll be rewarded later on. Now, if you're seeking the stuff of this world right now, fine, you'll have the stuff of this world, but I'll be honest with you, it's only fleeting. It's only fleeting. It's only fleeting. Let's go on now, the issue of discernment, verse 15. The simple believes every word, but the prudent considers well his steps. Here's the issue of discernment. The simple are easily influenced, but the prudent think before they act. Remember now, we, we've talked about different groups of people here in Proverbs. The fool is the person you can't teach anything to. He's the unteachable person. Ultimately, he's the unbeliever. He's also described as the wicked. That's the one who is basically rebelling against God. Now, the simple, remember we've talked about this, usually refers to a younger person who has not matured yet in wisdom. Who has not matured yet in wisdom. It's a younger person who has not yet matured in wisdom. Now, here's what Solomon is saying, is that immature person, because they haven't matured in wisdom of what life holds, they will oftentimes be what? 
Easily what? Influence. Now let me give you a perfect example of this and so that you understand what I'm talking about. Next time you watch the world news and they're talking about some country where there's a group of people who are upset, ready to overthrow the country, what age group is normally the one who is rebelling and normally the one who is wanting to overthrow things the way things are going? What age group of people are we talking about? You'll always hear one group of people specifically as the ones who are in protest and who want to overthrow stuff. Who are they? Anybody? Okay, the young. Specifically what group? You always hear they're described as what? But if you notice, it is the university students. No, but I want to make a point here. Here's my point. Here's, this is what Solomon is saying. They are easily influenced because they haven't experienced life yet. Have you noticed that the older people, and it's not because they don't care, the more mature people aren't the ones who are out doing it? They may have the same beliefs as the younger person, but they have grown to know that there are other ways to approach it. You understand? And it doesn't matter what culture, whether it's here in our culture in the United States in the 60s, we had the 60s movement here that was basically a youth-led movement that really transformed our culture, right? Or any other country. Why? Because what he's making a point here is the simple are easily influenced, but the prudent think before they act. A wise person is going to think about what the action is going to be if I go downtown, throw in rocks, busting up businesses, confronting police officers in riot gear, yes, I might get my head crashed by a baton or my eyes stained by tear gas. Maybe I shouldn't do that. But they don't think that way because they're easily influenced. And notice something, they're easily influenced by people who want to what? Make an issue of something. And you ever notice that the people who want to make an issue are not the ones who are out there protesting? They're kind of in the back behind the scenes. Because they have the simple to do all their work. See, this is the point that Solomon is making here. Let's go on. Look at uh, verse 16 now. A wise man fears and departs from evil, but a fool rages and is self-confident. Here's the point. Wise people are cautious and not reckless, whereas the fool is arrogant. A wise person is going to be cautious and again, consider the way he's not going to be reckless with the stuff that he does, because he's, he's thinking in terms of, you know, if I do this, this will be the outcome. But a fool, a fool is arrogant. He, he, he doesn't care. And he's going to do whatever he, because he, he's, he's invincible. Oh, that's nothing's going to bother me. Nothing's going to hurt me. I'm going to be okay. So he's arrogant about stuff. He's arrogant. Look at verse 17 now. Let's talk about character. A quick-tempered man, a quick-tempered man acts foolishly, and a man of wicked intentions is hated. Okay, here's the point. Flying off the handle causes a person to do and say ridiculous things, which ultimately, can be honest with you, results in people, what, liking them? No. Not being liked, being hated. So a quick-tempered man will fly off the handle. And when he flies off the handle, he'll what? He'll say things he regrets, can't take back word, can you? And he'll do things that he'll, he'll wish he hadn't done. 
and he'll be hated. He'll be hated. Let me just stop for a moment. You know, it's interesting. I saw an interesting statistic. It actually kind of grieved me a little bit. Did you realize today that 55% of Christians believe today it's okay to drink? Do you realize that? It's okay to have a beer. It's okay to take a sip. And you know what? And the Bible really doesn't say that it's wrong to drink. It does talk about drunkenness. But I want you to think about our culture for a moment today. Our culture doesn't talk about drinking in moderation. It doesn't talk about drinking just for a drink. Our culture talks about drinking in terms of what? Drunkenness, period. And this verse describes a drunk. Because they fly off the handle, they lose control because the alcohol takes control. And then they'll say things and they'll do things that they will regret later. And they'll come later when they're sober and they'll apologize. But you can't take it back. And you can literally get to the point, if you're in a family of an alcoholic, as a child of an alcoholic, where that stuff happens over and over and over. And it doesn't matter how many apologies happen afterwards. Flying off the handle, Solomon, what he says, is literally true. And the man of wicked intentions is hated. You can get to the point where you hate that person who flies off the handle. See, it's very, very true. Flying off the handle really causes a person to do and say ridiculous things and will result in being hated. Look at verse 18. The simple inherit folly, but the prudent are crowned with knowledge. Here's the point of the issue. A gullible person receives folly, whereas the prudent is blessed and more knowledgeable. Now let me just stop for a moment. Remember I told you there's different people? I don't equate the gullible person with a simple person. A simple person is someone who has not yet matured. That's a little bit different than a gullible person. Everybody understand what a gullible person is? A gullible person is a simple person who just can't get it. Do you understand what I'm saying? He's an immature person who just can't get it. And so what happens with him is, is that he continually receives folly. And it doesn't click. Hey! You know, I maybe need to stop this because it's always ending up with mud on my face here. That's a gullible person. Whereas a prudent person is blessed with more knowledge. They're blessed by continually increasing in their knowledge and maturity. Okay? Now look at verse 19, the issue of rewards. The evil will bow before the good and the wicked at the gates of the righteous. Ultimately, here's the point, and listen, put a star by this one. Ultimately, the wicked will acknowledge and serve the righteous. This is going to happen in your lifetime. Let me just stop for a moment. But this is one of the hopes later of the future. It isn't going to happen in your lifetime. We want it to happen now that the wicked, the people who mock you, the people who ridicule you, the people who do wrong to you, you, you want them to, to stand up and, and to acknowledge their wrong. You want them to do what's right. You want them to serve you right now. But I'm going to tell you, it's not going to happen in this lifetime. It will happen in the next lifetime. There's a wonderful, wonderful verse of Scripture. I think it is in Revelation, I think chapter 3, maybe in chapter 2, where he tells one of the churches that their enemies will acknowledge them when Jesus comes. One day, their enemies will acknowledge this. That's a wonderful thought, isn't it? That one day, the wicked will acknowledge, yes, that was a righteous person. 
yes, I did wrong to them. See, that's going to happen in the future. And that's what he's talking about here. That's what he's talking about in this verse here. He is talking about ultimately the wicked will acknowledge and serve the righteous. Ultimately, when God comes. Look now at verse 20, the issue of, of wealth. The poor man is hated even by his own neighbor. But the rich has many friends. Now, this is just a piece of truth here. Possessions determine popularity. You ever notice if you have nothing, you don't seem to have a lot of friends either? Now, you notice the guy who has everything. He's got friends coming out of the woodwork. Just ask anybody who wins the lottery. They win the big one, Powerball. They get a big check, huge check. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, they've got cousins that they never even heard of calling. They got long lost high school sweethearts calling, saying, Oh, I've always, you know, you and I, we were always meant to be together, and, you know, and, you know, and, and just calling out of nowhere. You've heard the stories, haven't you? We're laughing. This is what Solomon is saying. A poor man is even hated by his neighbor. But a rich man has what? Lots of friends. But you know what? Here's the sad part of the story. If you, all you got to do is go to the story of the prodigal. As soon as his money ran out, what happened to his friends? Yeah, they ran out too. They ran out too. Okay, now let's go on now. The issue of neighbors. Verse 21. He who despises his neighbor sins, but he who has mercy on the poor, happy is he. So, despising your neighbor is sin, whereas being kind to the needy is blessed. Despising your neighbor is sin. Despising your neighbor. You know, having a bad attitude about your neighbor is not right. We need to acknowledge that. Well, you don't understand, George. Their animal goes in my yard and he uses my yard as his bathroom. I understand that. Work it out. But the moment you get to the point where you are hating your neighbor, well, their music is so loud. Look, there's something that you do that irritates them. Oh, no, I never do anything. We all do stuff, don't we? We all do stuff. So hating your neighbor is sin, whereas, now here's the point, whereas being kind to the needy is blessed. And taking care of your neighbor is, is will also result in blessedness. Look now at verse 22. We've got a few more verses here and we'll be done. Conduct. Verse 22. Do they not go astray who devise evil? But mercy and truth belong to those who devise good. So here's the point. One's moral behavior is usually the result of planning. You've got to make, can I be honest with you? If you're going to walk uprightly, if you're going to do what's right, you've got to make a decision to do what's right. You just can't go through like, oh, whatever, I'll just take whatever comes. If you have that kind of laissez-faire attitude where you're just going to do whatever, I'm going to be honest with you, you're going to find yourself in a problem. You've got to make a plan. Because you're, you're, look, hey, listen here, your little minds, your little minds will tell you to do what's wrong. You understand what I'm saying? Your little minds will tell you to do what's wrong. So you've got to tell your little mind beforehand, I'm not going to act that way. You say, well, I do that, but I fall. Well, there is forgiveness, but tell your little mind again, I'm not going to act that way, okay? All right? All right, let's just go on. Verse 23, diligence. In all labor there is profit, but idle chatter leads only to poverty. Here's the point. Profits come from hard work, not idle talk. 
You understand? Prophets come from hard work. They're not going to come from you and say, oh, you know, one day I would like to see us be able to do that. And, well, wouldn't it be great if, if I could get a job over here? And, well, once I got that job, you know, yeah, when are you going to do that? Oh, you know, sometime later, but not right now. No, the only time that's going to happen is if you go out and do something. That's the point he's saying. Profit, prosperity, stability comes when you apply yourself and do something. It's just not going to be handed to you. Listen, come and ask with you. We're getting to the place in this country right now where we think that we deserve whatever... Oh, you know what, Bruce? You're just making too much money. Yes, you are. In fact, you make more money. I'm just using it as an example. Okay? Because you're making too much money, you need to share with the rest of us because you don't deserve to have that much. We deserve to have what you have. Is that not the attitude today in our country? Is that not the attitude? That is the attitude today. You, you know, and, and that, that's idle talk. We've bought into that today. We have bought into that. That's not a great way to think that. That's not a great way of thinking. You know, I'll be honest with you. And what it, all it does is promote class envy. All it does is promote class envy and say, well, you know, the rich, they can afford to pay a little bit more taxes. Yeah, you know what? The rich are the guys who build the factories who give people jobs. We need to think in terms of just not just A, but what A plus B equals C. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because it's disturbing. We've got to think in terms of what will our attitudes today equal to 10 years or 20 years down the road. The country wasn't built on those kind of attitudes. Do you understand what I'm saying? Now, I agree. We also need to tell employers not to treat their employees badly either. Do you understand? And there's a whole lot of other scriptures that rebuke employers for not doing what's right to their employees. But we need to have the right attitude when it comes to what? Solomon's saying, idle talk is not going to get you anywhere. Only hard work will. And can I be honest with you? That's part of the curse. Because that's not the way it was supposed to be from the very beginning. Remember, it was because of the fall that God said, by the sweat of your brow, you will eat your bread. That's part of the curse. We doomed ourselves to this. We're the ones who doomed ourselves to this. Okay, let's go on. Just real quickly, here at verse 24, the issue of wealth. The crown of the wise is their riches, but the, but the foolishness of fools is folly. Here's the point. Wisdom and the lack of wisdom have its own rewards. Wisdom and the lack of wisdom have its own rewards. Everybody understand? Wisdom and the lack of wisdom have their own rewards. So if you're a foolish person, you will have your rewards. If you're a wise person, you'll have your reward. Now, let's final verse, verse 25 again. The issue of speech. A true witness delivers souls, but a deceitful witness speaks lies. Here's the point. Telling the truth can save lives, whereas false testimony brings ruin. You know, telling the truth can save lives, whereas false testimony can bring ruin. Okay, let's uh, close our time in prayer.